0: Welcome back to the channel. I am again joined by my father, Bas von Oss. Bas has been on the channel sometimes before, but you don't necessarily have to have watched those episodes to watch this one because today we'll be speaking specifically about his endeavors as an author, but more than an author, I think um, a lover of stories, especially some biblical stories and some biblical characters. And um, my father recently wrote a book about Zipporah, which uh, she was Moses' wife. And in this book, I think he aims to take her perspective, which I think is not really taken in, in Exodus itself, and to try to feel the emotions that were felt by many of the characters in that story. And upon reading this story, which I'm not finished with yet, I told my father offline already that I feel a lot of the emotions, a lot of the sadness, the meaning as well within that story. And I was just curious to speak to him about it. I also want to tie it into uh, John Verveke's notion of the imaginal, which I think he partially has from Corbin. Um, and the imaginal is a notion, um, it's a it's a way of of bridging between the subjective and the objective and the abstract intelligible and the concrete physical realm and i think my my father does this in this book by touching upon actual circumstances but also using his perspective his capacity of uh, of of feeling of of imagining in a sense to to get closer to that reality so while it is not completely nonfiction it actually gets him to, to a, a closer a closer contact I feel with the characters than he would if he simply st- uh, stuck to the facts so welcome welcome back to the channel uh, boss
1: <laughs> wow thank you <laughs> thank you for that introduction
0: so just to ask you a, a first question what is your motivation what was your motivation to begin to start writing about Zipporah specifically
1: Specifically? Okay, that's not about writing in general. That is about Sephora specifically. I had to write it. It's a bit of a personal story. But um, um, let's first tell you a little bit about where it started. It started when I had to, uh, not had to, when I was asked to help out with celebrating a marriage in Cuba, or on Cuba, on the island of Cuba, between my niece and uh, her Cuban uh, boyfriend at the time. And I was looking for a story because we had conversations to, to get to that point. And I was looking for a story of people with different traditions and different backgrounds that nevertheless want to connect. And so I was thinking of Moses and Zipporah. Moses being an Egyptian and Zipporah being a desert dwelling Midianite. So very different backgrounds, very different uh, situations and uh, we used it in some some of the conversations but in the end we didn't use it in the service so the service the, the, the which we held on the beach which was on the basis of a New Testament test, text that she had um, that she had selected the fruits of the spirit which is beautiful because she really wanted to share something of um, the way that she hopes to live her life um, and he was he was happy with that he's not a Christian uh, but he uh, there is some spirituality in uh, Cuba santeria as you know and his grandmother has some um, experience in that so we really tried to also connect with his grandmother etc uh, so it was a great story to to explore there's a little bit of orthodoxy and heresy in there etc so yeah so it's also beautiful with with those situations and, and and the love story that is then central throughout that story um, it became urgent to write it this year um, simply because uh, there is a very special circumstance about Sephora. You may remember that she's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. And then there is a uh, fourth time that a certain wife of Moses is mentioned, who is called a Cushite, a Cushite mm-hmm. woman. Sometimes they translate it as Ethiopian or whatever, but 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 literally it says Cushite woman. Woman, and. Um, Among the ancients, there there have been different ways of explaining that. Uh, Did Moses have a second wife from Ethiopia? Um, And there was even a lot of historical imagination going on, writing uh, about his endeavors as military leader in uh, in Ethiopia and capturing the city and marrying the queen who delivered him the city, etc. So then he would have had two wives. And there's nothing else in the biblical record to suggest that. Um, and so some of the rabbis in the first century came to a different reading. And that's a reading that she was called the Kushite, but it was really Zipporah. So then this story is about Zipporah as well. And it was um, about their marriage problems. So now it got interesting, because if I can connect the marriage problems to the few times that, that Zipporah is mentioned in the Bible... It reflects uh, our own situation, my situation, situation of people I know, um, and um, also with uh, my wife, your mother, Inge. Um, uh, we we had some discussions about our relationship, and we agreed that we would do some thinking. And I I did the thinking using Sephora and most. Mm. Okay. So it was urgent. It was urgent to write. I see.
0: I see. I think that that reflects how important stories are to understanding the world for us and i think for you explicitly so because i think for a lot of people it happens subconsciously almost to use the stories to make sense of the world but (laughs) i think you see it um a bit a bit more clearly yeah i so zipporah specifically because it was these these problems that were highlighted that that's what you're saying
1: well, any time you engage with the story, more happens than you expect.
0: Yeah. So I didn't
1: expect the war between Israel and Hamas to, to break out this week. Yeah. But I get very emotional if I think about it. And having engaged with the story of Israel and mm-hmm. the other children of Abraham, like Midian, the Midianites were also a tribe that ch- that traced their descent to one of the sons of Abraham. Yeah. Uh, the Ishmaelites, etc. Um, it is such a profound way of engaging with the story of um, nationalism, religion, um, uh, trauma, uh, everything that's going on within the Torah. I, I mean, as long as you read it as a happy Christian or a happy Jew, you just say, wow, well, the good guys win and uh, to hell with all the others. But as soon as you take the perspective of the other, you can no longer talk in that way. Yeah. To, 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 it becomes different. So that was one story that was quite different. Uh, the other story is there is a story in there of leadership and stepping back from leadership and failing as a leader, which we also don't often associate with Moses, but but, but that, that part is in there as well. There is the story of all people dying, like Miriam, like Aaron, his brother, and eventually Moses himself, and I, I guess um, I used the, the death of your grandmother, my mother, very much to uh, ooh, that's heavy. <laughs> mm. To be part of that story as well. So, yeah, mm. there's, there's a lot of things going on in my own life and in, in, in world history and, and, and that, that all come together when you start writing and when you engage with the text for a longer time.
0: Yeah. So how long, how long did it take you in total to, to write this story?
1: Um, this time relatively short because yeah. I had started on it uh, years ago mm. in the context of that wedding and I think I used Christmas to Christmas to June, say half a year okay, uh, as a very intensive period of working through the text uh, using uh, some commentaries, especially the Jewish Publication Society has great commentary on the Hebrew text and yeah. uh, was a joy just to learn and, and, and read but also some interesting internet figures and um, discussions that were also going on so yeah
0: lovely amazing yeah I've I've seen uh, I've seen you my father I've seen him uh, so involved in this process I feel that this is really his passion and it shows in the way that he he lives it um, like I remember you just being so excited to tell us which part you were working on or which little fact you were checking about about your story. Um, so yeah, that's that's I think that's really nice to see in a person because I think everyone would like to have, have a bit of that. So some technical difficulties, but I wanted to ask you how much of this story did you did you write with pure objective facts, and how much did you actually? Take from your own, let's say, imagination or your own capacity to to imagine what could have happened.
1: Yeah, well, there the, are the three levels to that. <clears throat> what could have happened is different from what's in the text of the Torah. Well, I mean, this is also a story. The Torah is also yeah. a story. We, mm-hmm. we don't know the exact relationship with the history behind it and the text in the Torah, and sometimes the text in the Torah. Um, <clears throat> from a narrative perspective cannot have happened like that. Sometimes scholars believe that from an archaeological perspective it could not have happened like that. but so, so you get these discussions as well and and these commentaries are are, well, are a great source of getting that out eh? testing out what what uh, what's in the story. But in the end you're talking about a story and I was trying to figure out what a way, in what way I could relate to that story and add then the imagination to it mm. and some other findings, like findings from um, mm. f- from archaeology or uh, from anthropology uh, or, or other sources. And what I did, and I think you can see that easily here, um, if I take a page like this, oops, Yeah. You will first see uh, a text from the Bible in Dutch, by the way, and then you will see in a different setting, no longer italics, you will see my own imagination. Mm. So so that allows people, because this is a sensitive subject, uh, historical imagination, historical noveling, uh, when using a biblical text. So I decided that I would actually like to put the biblical text first, um, and then... Start the imagination. Start the imaginative process, which is basically how how I work. Select a number of texts that 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 really concentrate on the story, the the B type story. You've got the A story, which is the action and the the the, the, the plagues of Egypt and and what have you. But then you have the B story, which is basically the love story or the family story, and where the hero has to learn things in order to to grow as a human person and that B story is is often forgotten so I was really looking forward to to getting the the bits and pieces of the B story right yeah Um, and that's all imaginative
0: yeah but it really I think that that's what hit me harder than the the A story personally because I think it's much more human and Mm. relatable let's say because not everyone can relate to uh, being spoken to in a burning bush and Confronting uh, confronting the pharaoh doesn't happen every day, but I think everyone goes through these human emotions on a bigger and a larger scale, and that I think you did a great job of 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 translating that, and the fact that it is universal I think allows you to to step outside of of the pure facts because there are real real aspects to to these stories that that we experience in our daily life. So yeah. yeah so what did you what did you
1: because I'd like to invite you as a reader a little bit. Yeah. What is the universals, the human universals that you that you that, that spoke to you when you were reading through the first chapters?
0: Well, for me, the story of stories of course about Moses, and you see Moses taking on more and more responsibility. And I think people who listen to Peterson like that sentiment of of you know going more and more into that. And what I recognized. In those first chapters, I guess, is the call for action first, and then immediately this the sin of I guess living an unbalanced life because of it. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, it's a sin, in another sense, it's also your duty because everyone has a period of their lives where they are going to feel that they're giving up everything for that dream or let's say that job or
1: the radical duty
0: the radical duty. And in his case, it was to, to God. So, I mean, f- fair play, man, like <laughs> it, it <laughs> he's not to be condemned for it, but you do hurt people in the process. You always do. And so what, what spoke to me there was, um, yeah, I guess, sacrificing some of the people closest to you in order to fulfill your, your radical duty. And, yeah. uh that spoke most to me, but because you write it from Zipporah's perspective, it is especially touching because as a main character, Moses, he's not completely able to feel her emotions, but because you write from her perspective, the reader can feel that pain of feeling left out, and especially because she is not an Israelite and Israel was the, the people that was chosen. Um, she gets left out implicitly and explicitly. So, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's That's what I'd say about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what touched me a lot in the uh, discussions with the Peterson Exodus uh, readings was a casual remark like, well, sometimes great leaders don't have that very bright offspring. And that's how they explain that the children of Moses never got anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And then when you go through the story and you see that it's from the outset that the half-foreign sons that he has do not get a leading position. Um, basically because they're not purebred. It's not said in those words, uh, but later on it's recognized that um, that they were counted among the normal Levites. And that has everything to do with that story. Now, I cannot do a lot of spoilers, but um, when you progress in the story, get outside of the Torah, move into the book of Joshua and the book of Judges, something of the stories picked up again and with a surprising ending about those children. So I hope you get to the last chapter.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I, <laughs> I really like, um, I really like your ability to, to do this with, with biblical stories, especially because they feel so static in a way, but by adding the, the dynamism to them, I think especially for modern readers, they become more alive because at times it can be difficult to actually really feel these stories by simply reading them. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I do commend you for it and you've done it before. Of course, um, my, my father wrote about, um, the new Testament, but from, from Jesus perspective, if I'm correct in saying that, (laughs) and it's a similar, it's a similar thing you, you do there. It's it's feeling the emotions of, of characters whose emotions are maybe not even meant to be to be felt in a sense. Or yeah, hard I was a to, bit
1: more timid in that process.
0: More timid, less less emotional, you less say?
1: free. No, 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 no. I was was very emotional. Hmm. I've cried during writing. But just like now I was I was emotional because of my own situation that I wanted to know whether it was possible to imagine a story. For Moses in Sipporah, where they would overcome their difficulties. I didn't know whether or not that would be a cheesy, cheesy uh, cliche ending, or whether or not there was something that they could. So, how far can you go in in restoring the relationship, and uh, what 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 actually will go on in those uh, those chapters? So, uh, it was almost like, hey, I have to, I, I have to do all these steps in order to build a story that leads. Me towards an ending,
0: yeah,
1: and that was that was huge because I wanted to know how it would end up with for them because just like you say, it's it's us there, huh? It's it's not from mm-hmm. the past. It's it's us being in the story, and sometimes a bit more. I'm a bit more like Moses, and sometimes I'm a bit more like Zipporah, and, and the same goes for, for, for my wife. Um, the, the, the it's it's not like a allegory. Yeah. An allegory is too intellectual, even. Yeah. It's, it's really, that's your word for imaginal, it's imagining yourself in that position, being part of that story and really hoping and praying that that story will go somewhere to a good place. Yeah. So that was there. But on the Jesus side, I was far more timid because, um, uh, first of all, it was a long time ago. Um, uh, I uh, grew up with seeing Jesus as God god as jesus and didn't have any rationale to make a distinction between the two and it was only when he sort of incarnated that that i understood that he became fully human with all his weaknesses that he became um, not like in the quran where he already is a prophet when he is in the when he's when he's a newborn baby he can already speak hello i'm a slave of allah i'm not his I'm just his slave uh, he can speak there but in, in in the bible it's 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 a uh, it's a total kenosis that's what paul calls it it is a total emptying of any divinity mm. and becoming fully human that's and that's a completely different story because then all of a sudden he needs to discover who he truly is and of course you've got the the story of the 12 year old Jesus in the temple but we have different figures in history who have similar stories so so you can't make him a god walking around on earth he has to become incarnated he has to become fully human he has to become and that was what was happening to me he has to become my elder brother
0: okay that's how you yeah
1: the one who made the the one who went through life before me
0: yeah i understand who carved the path
1: who carved the path yes that's right yeah like, like Paul says to his audience, uh, he says um, uh, something like mime, mimeto, mime me, do as I do, mime me, be a mime player, as I follow Jesus, as I am a mime player of, of Jesus. So there's something here that, that is, is, is truly astounding, because what, what Jesus showed us, even through death, was a path that leads that leads to, to God, that leads to the Father heart of God. Yeah. That, that, that's what's happening there. And and can we truly follow that path? So the, the experiment was not... The experiment on the one hand was writing a gospel. How did gospel... I was studying gospel. So how did gospel writers operate? How, how What was that procedure? Um, but that's one part of it. And the other part of it was... Uh, what I wanted to experiment with is what if... I am mim- mimicking Jesus. So I decided to do, uh, apart from doing the normal work that a gospel writer did, <laughs> what, 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 what John did, what, what Matthew did, what Luke did, I decided to uh, try if I could do it in the present tense yeah. and in first person. So could I write from the perspective of Jesus, present tense, first person, without adding too much information? So sticking to the gospel texts from the four, making my own selection as much as possible, um, and then and then um, following that story in the present tense, in the first person, which is mind-boggling. So I. I was trying to do that. We went to Israel for a while. I was trying to walk the walks that you had walked. I was trying to get as much information as possible. That's what you do as a historical novelist. You, you want to get as much information as possible. But then also get the feeling of what's going on. And, and by taking that perspective. Now, it didn't work out. Uh, my eyesight got blurred as a result of um, the work in Israel. Um, I couldn't see anymore. I... Um, um i had to go to work again uh, i got a, a car accident i got a um a, a little burst in one of my um how do you call that uh, neck verables
0: um cervicals yeah
1: um so 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 uh, and then i couldn't go to work anymore i couldn't even lie down because of my neck mm-hmm. I remember that I uh, then started to write and I wrote in one go in three weeks time the whole I had of course done all the studies and all the preparation all structuring but I I had not gone to writing and then in that situation in that vulnerable situation I I started to write and it took me only three weeks to 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 write it and I couldn't lay down so I had to sit up (laughs) sit up all night and the cat would go into my neck and make it warm there she would lie down here and he would lie down. It was a male cat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was very special. And, and but but when I got to the, this is emotional. When I got to the uh, torture of Jesus and his death, um, then then yeah, then you are really mimicking Christ in the writing process. The writing process is so intense. Um, that's that's really beyond words.
0: Yeah. So that's only fitting that you were in in a difficult situation yourself. Yeah.
1: It seems like that.
0: Do you think that it was meant to be like that?
1: Well, someone had prophesied that, yeah. Yeah. Someone had said, um, if God really wants you to write this, be prepared that your life will get difficult in your work-wise, relationship-wise, health-wise, I don't know which. Well, I got all three. (laughs) <laughs> and, and perhaps that's meant to be because you, when you are pursuing something just like Moses you are making mistakes and you are not giving everybody their fair due and so so I, I may have caused some of those problems myself except that I was for the bodily part it was a Friday the 13th that there was a, um, a traffic jam uh, um, um, popping up so I I slowed the car, I was in time, but the lady behind me, who was perhaps a bit more superstitious, listened to the radio about Friday the, 1st, the 13th and she drove right into me. Yeah. Uh, and as I was moving forward to do something with the CD player, we had a CD player at the time to listen to music in the car, mm-hmm. I was not positioned well in my chair. So I got the full uh, Monty on. On, yeah. on the neck. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, was it meant to be? I don't know. Maybe it was caused by what was meant to be. But uh, anyway, the um, the experience was a lot deeper as a result, yes.
0: Yeah. And you luckily didn't have to experience the same pain <laughs> writing Zipporah, hopefully. Not bodily, it's, no. Not bodily. But,
1: well, but bodily, I, I have my issues. Bodily. Yeah, you have your affairs share no, for sure. No, no, it was the relational pain, lo- losing my mother... Uh, discussing with with Inge about what kind of relation do we want to build for the future, uh, how do we want to grow all together, yeah. uh, what's really important for you, what's really important for me, all those kind of stuff, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that that and and then agreeing not to talk about it for a few months, mm-hmm. so that each would go through his and her own process. Yeah. So yeah, that was sort of um, um, that made my appreciation for the B story that much bigger in in Moses and
0: Sepporah. yeah I can see that I can see it through the way you write it really the way you highlight that so much I think that your your passion in it it shows and that's uh that means I think it's a work worth writing <laughs> if, <laughs> if that is the case yeah no absolutely you've you've written also nonfiction things um Nonfiction books. What what do you think has given you more, more meaning? Which types of books do you think f- suit you more? Are you more of a story person or more of a <laughs> intellectual? Oh, it's a st- yeah, it's the it's
1: it's the, it, it, it's it, it's the factual stuff that gives you the tools. So I, I do like the study. I'd like the I'd like to know what I can know. I'd like to. See how far I can go in in getting facts and because the facts help me to incarnate in that person
0: mm-hmm.
1: as as author you're also incarnating in that person you're yeah. flashing that person that 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 period in time that you're flashing it out so yeah um, so the facts help, but it's the story that changes you
0: yeah then yeah, I guess the, the the both both of them may not be better or worse than the other one but you need both to to make it happen it's the same with discipline i guess that you need the discipline to eventually get to that 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 point where you can maximize your your creative expression
1: yeah you know that i love the old um well you, you you all never get interested in orthodox christianity you think you're finding something new but 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 um we loved the old church fathers, um, even those who had a uh, bad rap afterwards, like Origen, Origen of Alexandria, was this kind of man. Uh, can you imagine that he actually, both for the Old Testament and the New Testament, he collated all the manuscripts and translations he could find. He he made columns, so he, he made huge, had a scriptorium where he made every text next to each other so he could ch- check all the differences. He had his he 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 commented on the quality of the copyists that, of the manuscripts that he got um he went go uh, and f- tried to find the factuality behind it so for instance when you have in the bible sometimes it says the harbor of gadara the other, at the time it says the harbor of gergesa um and, and around the, the sea of galilee and he actually checks and he <laughs> comes to the right spot and he knows exactly what he's talking about but then he says that's just flesh and bones yeah the flesh and bone work of the story that's that's where we start and after that we add the the love story or the moral story or what can you do with your life today and then he doesn't stop there so he says there's a third level and the third level is the spiritual level whether or not you experience anything from god in that text Uh, great stuff so yeah
0: Yeah, no, I I mean your comment about Orthodox Christianity, I'm I'm well aware it's nothing, uh, <laughs> it's nothing new. I think it's more that it's being rediscovered, let's say, or reappreciated, and I think that's a that's a very think, good thing.
1: And it's a Jonathan Peugeot. I mean, he makes such a great com- contribution to the uh, discussion on the uh, uh, Exodus and all the other stuff. Yeah. That I, that's really contagious for
0: uh, for you guys. Yeah actually i'd love kudos to speak to him. yeah kudos to him for sure <laughs> always but i'd love to actually speak a bit about exodus because it ties in well with what you 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 had been writing about um i assume you've listened to quite a bit of the the lectures that they've done recently
1: yeah not all of them but, yeah. but yeah, quite a few
0: do you feel um that you have some major disagreements with some of their their interpretations or things or the, maybe the way they even approach it given the no, like there's you know no theologian.
1: There's no biblical scientist in the group. So that that means um, the engagement with the text, the way that a biblical scholar would do it, is not there. That may be a good thing, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so because when you have a biblical scholar in there, uh, he or she will tend to monopolize the discussion, and ah, this is what's really going on here. Mm-hmm. So you, the creativity is blown. Yeah, the exploration.
0: It. Yeah. yeah, I see.
1: So, yes, I would definitely do things differently. And yes, there are sometimes questions that I think have an easy answer, but, but are blown up out of proportion. Um, uh, like, for instance, um, they chose to quote uh, the King James. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, why are these italics here in the text? And then um, the conclusion at the end was, after nobody found a good answer, was this is a very weird sense of what is important in a text. Those words that are italized are not at all important to us in our context. How could they ever have done that? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now adding a few more words, so it actually wasn't the discussion. But, but but you get the, you get the drift. And um, a biblical scholar could have told them easily that um, those translators in those days wanted to translate as literal as possible, and if they had it to add a word for comprehensibility, they would put it in the italics, oh, yeah, even that's... if it's just the word <laughs> "or," the word "and," or the word "are." <laughs> yeah, that's
0: everything. a funny. That's a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. That stuff happened, but yeah. apart
1: from that, uh, what's going on again is that people are amassing this explorative spirit, this creativity and a lens, and the lens that they were using is basically the lens of how do we organize America, well, how, what is a just society or Britain, forever? but basically how should Western society be built, mm-hmm. and I think the key theme in the A story, or the action story of Moses, Moses is building that people, and I think I hope that comes across as well, he's building uh, a people out of slavery into a, a organized tribe that will enter the promised land and yeah. then build a society of their own. Yeah. So yeah, very fundamental discussions. Not the B story. I think the B story is what we are doing here, but it's the um, uh, the the A story that also comes in, in 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 my story, but but I'm not doing the same exploration as that they have been doing.
0: Yeah. I I was wondering it's maybe more of a theological question, but while I was reading all of this, I saw you mentioned the um, we had a scene where Zipporah was speaking to Moses and explaining what God is to her, let's say. And I think you brought in a sort of definition of the, the, the being of the ground of being type of thing, you know, the being beyond the, 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 the type of way that John Favicki might speak of, uh, of mm-hmm. God, let's say, but when I read Exodus and when I read your book, I get a sense that, uh, God described there I mean he chooses a people he sort of like intervenes in nature, and I feel like that doesn't really reflect the ground of being let's say um what what would you what would you say about that is is this like a different principality uh, or like am no, I misunderstanding things
1: no 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 but as you will progress in the book, you will find that the um that the way it's interpreted by Moses may be more human than you would think. Mm-hmm. We will enter pages where the Torah has Moses say some things, uh, or has, has basically has God say some things to Moses, where you feel like this, this, this can't be God who's speaking. So, for instance, when Moses says, kill all the Midianites, I have Zipporah answering him in the second section when I do the imaginative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Zipporah answering him, me too, Moses? You want to kill me too? So you, 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 you find, oh wow, this, 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 this text as we have it now, which in the uh, words of the authors of the Torah is uh, immediate, the intervention of God into history, Uh, The the explicit revelation in human words by God, that's how it's presented to us. But as soon as you go into the experience of Sipporah, you find places where where this can't be true. It can't be true here, it can't be true there. Uh, So that forces you to rethink what the nature of the text is. Um, so, yes, you're right. The text of the Torah, God is a lot more anthropomorphic, eh, like a human being, uh, a lot more violent, um, a, a lot more uh, interventionist, if I may say so, um, uh, than, um, than in the imaginal part. The imaginal part, I, I, I step back a little bit, as you could. could, yeah. could experience. And, and there it is, uh, there is a difference between the, the sort of a personal ground of being that John Favéki is putting there and a far more personal experience that Zipporah is talking about. So the the what I keep is basically how Jesus was with his father. He said, Jesus didn't believe that God was a human being in, in the sky. But he said it's best to approach him like a father.
0: So you can connect
1: so you can connect so basically you get by and, and this is the incarnation in the son of course because as soon as god has a son he becomes a father yes and the spirit you could say becomes mother or what have you and you know, you've got isis and osiris and horus <laughs> must be good for you but anyway no but the point is as soon as 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 the human be, being becomes a child of god god becomes a father and if we resemble god then we know a little bit about how god looks like now, of course, he doesn't look like a human being, but in what does he resemble us? And that's, in the end, in the New Testament, it's his capacity for love. So if Kastrup would say consciousness is the easiest way to explain the universe, I might counter with perhaps love is the easiest way. And Aaron, your brother, would say it's the cheesiest way to explain the universe. Uh, but- I think
0: he agreed with, he agreed with this uh, idea, though, because I asked him, is, is, is God love? And he said, yes.
1: No, no, but that's, that's, that's something of, of an education still still there. But, but, the, but the, the point is, how do you explain the universe in the end?
0: And, and you get some text about that.
1: Well, I'm, I'm not trying to put that into this discussion. But I think <laughs> it's a worthwhile discussion to explore. You should yeah, be there yeah. and, and others to, to, to really do that. But um, what it means is that the experience of Yahweh um, if that is the correct pronunciation of these vowels, that the experience is not one that puts God into a, uh, a a defined image. You will read that the Midianites had uncut stones or trees. They didn't carve out an image of God, at least not these Midianites, not the family of, of Zipporah. Uh, It goes further later on in in writing the Torah, in the later layers of of redacting the Torah, then no longer any upright stones or trees are allowed. Um, But that's a later intervention in the story, because um, there are still traces. For instance, when Joshua enters the Promised Land, he's looking for a big tree where he puts the altar. Uh, And next to the altar, he puts a stone. Uh, So he's still doing what the Midianites we're doing, and they're calling these things his God and his Ashera, and and now we we tend to think of Ashera as sort of the, uh, the 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 wife of God, and then make a female image, and have God as an image, etc. And there are some some there are some inscriptions from certain wadis uh, or, or places in the Sinai, which which where you have this anthropomorphic anthropomorphism. Um, but I'm not doing that. I'm I'm leaving Zipporah with uh, the uncut stone and just the tree. So the uncut stone would be God as the eternal one, or the tree would be God as the living one. And 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 the the vowels, not 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 consonants, are are the ones that breathe the story. So they're basically they are what animates the world, what animates reality. And now I'm a lot closer to uh, what Kastrup and Ferveki are doing. Yeah. The, only difference with Vrveiki is the fact that you enter into a personal relationship with that um, presence or that ground of being
0: Uh,
1: and whether or not that's just a device necessary for us humans or whether that is truly a capacity of the ground of being to enter into a relationship of, uh, I think that Kastrup would allow more of that that consciousness can connect to individual
0: consciousness. I see. Is there because you speak about the New Testament, um, God becoming the Father, let's say, through the incarnation. Do you say that's an that that he, he transforms as this is happening? Historically, is this a different understanding of him? But I mean I I, I would assume that God in many ways understood properly is, is unchanging is he yes
1: it's our image of god that is changing
0: but the, the underlying yeah form. i mean ground of being is the ground of being yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why i'm that's why i'm wondering because I, so, I almost feel like we're dealing with 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 someone before they they quit drugs and someone after they <laughs>
1: yes yes because the the point is um, god becomes operational in our thinking because we we make an image that's why the bible is so careful with images so let me give you two images. Okay. Suppose God is the lawgiver and king. Yes. Remember yeah, Torah, David, Moses, David, etc. And you are disobedient. What would be the right response if I am another servant of the king? How should I uh, act if I see you uh, being dis- be living your life disobediently?
0: Yeah, when well, you get justice system thrown at you. I guess
1: that's the idea I need to correct you or I need to get a system to correct you
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Makes sense huh yeah now I offer a different image of God God as a father we as a family and I see you disobedient I see what is my proper response as a brother
0: a belt (laughs) Hmm? I said a belt you pull the belt, belt. out and you, and you, you start brother to... Would
1: belt the, the brother would hit the other brother. No, of I course not. That's, that's happening. No. <laughs> so how would you do it with Aaron? That's, that's the question.
0: If he's disobedient?
1: Yeah. So he's not living up to his potential or he is missing the mark. or How how would you deal with that?
0: It depends on how old I am because if I was like 12, I would probably try to, to fight with him. But, yeah. uh...
1: <laughs> but then you would look at what the father is doing.
0: Yeah, but no, the,
1: for sure. Well, how is the father dealing with it? And you would see the father stepping back, er, hoping that the son would grow up to responsibility, uh, loving the son, uh, not not forcing the son, sometimes restraining him. Well, no, no, you can't do that. But 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 that's a far, as far as it goes. You would never destroy the son because he's, in a way, your own flesh and blood. I see, I see where your you're future. going. The whole idea of... God being born in the image of the Father, not the image of the Son, God being born in the image of the Father, yeah. it, it changes the way that you can relate to God because the, the, the operating working model in your mind, think about Bolby, the the, the, the the child psychologist, the, the operating model in your mind is set very early in your life. Um, and, and there are only a few ways of, of improving that. Uh, so if you have... Um, uh, attachment problems. He, attachment was his great, great thing. Uh, it could, it could come from very early in your life. There are only two ways that that are f- proven to be effective in, in, in changing um, those problems, and one is to have a uh, a long lasting romantic relationship that really overrides your software. Like I've never experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming a father or a mother. That overrides your software or finding a personal God rather than an impersonal God, a God that really loves you. So, that, that's, 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 they have just tested that. They have yeah. put the test that will be des- designed and looked at per- people before and after that the image of God changed in their lives.
0: I, I think I, I'm starting to understand what you're saying. I guess I, it's, it's how I experienced it myself for sure. Uh, by virtue of the the way i was i was raised i experienced a um a deep a deep connection but this, uh, mercy as well as judgment for sure i just wonder if we conceptualize god in this manner let's say like post new testament would he ever deliver the sword um, of death is that something that would ever happen like you're, you're speaking about this family context is there ever an occasion where you feel that that that's the consequence, or is is if is anyone to be forgiven ultimately because of this renewed understanding? How do you feel? One about of that? the
1: funniest moments in the um, in the uh, Peterson uh, Exodus series is uh, when uh, um, Dennis Prager. Mm-hmm. Such a Christian thing to ask! <laughs> Why would you want the Pharaoh to repent and be saved? Why would you? And yes, why would, uh, he 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 found it such a Christian thing, and then he's right; it is a, a deeply Christian thing. Um, so uh, yes, indeed, uh, Christ died for all, so that all would be reconciled with God.
0: Yeah, he would give anyone a, a living chance.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm convinced of that. I actually went. We 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 went to. Um, uh, we, when we were mar- married, we, we had a pastor and his wife um, marrying us, and uh, we had some sessions before going into... Uh, we, sleep, we, we had a over at their house, which was far from our house. So, so um, And we had a discussion about the righteousness of God. And he said, well, you wouldn't want God to forgive Adolf Hitler or Satan. And I was really like, why not? Yeah. I mean... If you take it to the full consequence of what Jesus came to do, uh, then the answer is yes, sir, most definitely. I would want Him to uh, forgive them, because in order to forgive them, uh, they would, they, in order for them to receive that forgiveness, that's the way I should, should probably phrase it. In order for them to receive that forgiveness they would have to be transformed.
0: Yeah. I think the what you're saying right now is making me think of Peterson versus um, let's say Peugeot and, and Prager as well because I feel that Peugeot is really a Christian in every way and I've also heard him speak about how he would act say there is a, a war in his country and um, I heard him say that, or I read him say that um, if if something like that were to happen, he would he would def- defend himself and his family, but he would do it with with tears in his eyes and and begging God God for mercy on his soul. Whereas I see Peterson more as a like I I see him more as a Moses type of figure, it's like give him hell, you know. That's <laughs> I feel that he's closer to 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 that. To be honest, like. Just to, to look at Pharaoh and being like that, and I think that that's partially what explains him not being able to bind himself, at least seemingly. So I don't know what's going on um, with him personally.
1: Yeah, we're speculating now uh, from a distance. We had the privilege of listening to him in Rotterdam, of course. Um, that's, but that's very much from a distance.
0: Yeah, so but I mean, I, I see his, much. I see his mannerism, let's say, <laughs> and I've seen Fawekis speak about him, and I've seen Peugeot speak about him. And uh Bejo is like, I'm I'm gonna leave this one one to God. Like I I, I can't control this this anymore.
1: Well God already <laughs> intervened. Yeah. He gave yeah. him well, Tammy's experience. Um Well, I think a lot is happening.
0: Don't worry. Well, I'm not worried. I'm more like interested than I think we need multiple types of of people. I'm not I'm not one to think that that the whole world um should think the same way about about all of these these things but um did you notice that i used the word intervened yes uh <laughs> i always wonder um th- does that happen are you like are you more leaning toward that side or have you taken seriously the notion that god is more like uh, the one that spinoza described where
1: no no i'm a very much a believer of holy spirit
0: yes Age- Agency in the sense of intervention as well.
1: Well, agency intervenes. Because everywhere where agency is being enacted, an intervention takes place. So um, do, we, do we have to believe in a God who consciously decides to roll the dice and give this person a heart attack and that person a car accident? I don't think that's a way of looking at God that I wouldn't want to do. But, but I do see that the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of love, or what have you, is a constant force
0: intervening in the world. But how do you mean intervention? Like I'm trying to understand because when I, when I hear about the Exodus story and I see the, the, the waters... Opening imparting, yeah, that's the word. Um, like, does, does that not imply more of a demiurge, yeah, or of a, yeah. a ma- magic I'm, type of? I'm, happening? I'm, I'm not that, um,
1: well, it's, it's difficult, of course, to do the story of the um, to do the story of Moses and uh, and, and not having problems with all these interventions. Um, there is. Uh, the, there's the big blessing of dealing with support that she didn't want into Egypt with him. She was sent back. Yeah. Which is quite hard because if a husband sends a woman back to her father in those days, that would be akin to some kind of divorce or at least temporary temporarily temporary, uh, temporary uh, separation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means that I didn't have to talk about uh, the plagues of Egypt rather than
0: just touching on them. Yeah, that was very interesting part well, of the story, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, now we're here.
1: Yeah. So, because yeah. she's not there at that part. Yeah. She comes back when the Amalekites are being uh, uh, fought by Israel and yeah. um, very much in, in the Negev, the South Negev, not that far away from the, the Philistines, Palestines, Hamas. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of got away from that one a little bit. Uh, but the story is the story, so uh, we don't brush away the the interventions that are, are seen there, and and I do allow for aid, for for princes and principalities, uh, for the spirit et cetera to 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 have agency and therefore intervention. How I would have to square that with God, who is eternal and out of space and time? Yeah, exactly. That's a different thing, and I, I guess that our discussion about the Gnostics gave us some tools as to how you can imagine that. Um, but, um, but in the end, uh, the reality is that, uh, yes, there is agency around us, however that works out and however impersonal that may be. Um, and there is a, a working model in our mind of who God is, and that working model determines very much how much strength, how much consolation, how much purpose we reap from uh from our relationship with that ground of being
0: i see so that's more of a transjective type of relationship i would say yeah, yeah. is that fair yeah yeah you could say that okay yeah it's it's <laughs> these are questions i have a lot in my mind because i hear a lot of people that are much more um red than i am about all of these topics and I have my own convictions about certain things, but then there's a lot of things that I'm not very clear on. And then a lot of people disagree or they, they misunderstand because they have different frameworks through which they understand the world. And I'm just trying to find out what is real. And so i I just find it difficult to square those two different types of gods, let's say with each other, like yeah. how is that like, are we talking about principalities? Are we talking about angels? I, I don't I know. Would
1: go, I would go as far far as Holy Spirit. Uh, and funny is that in in the New Testament, Holy Spirit is often without um, uh, without a definite article. It's just Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said. Holy Spirit descended, etc. And what is Holy Spirit? It means breath that is pure. That is. Really, from from God—that is—that has the the love and the being in there that really drives us forward, uh, doing the right thing. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan and believer of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear you for sure. I'm just I'm trying to conceptualize it the right way.
1: Well, would you agree <laughs> that that there is impure spirit? There are
0: demons. Oh no, I understand the Holy Spirit, but I understand it as a concept for sure. Like I. Well, I
1: but, but have you experienced it
0: I think so because I mean you get inspired by things and I try to get inspired by the highest yeah. which to me is the Holy Spirit but I don't see how that is the same as the intervening imparting the see uh, divinity I don't see how that I don't see how it materializes in that sense I see how it inspires me personally in my actions yeah. I don't see how it imparts the sea or Makes it, you know, oh, rain. It parts
1: the waves, yeah. No, no, I can, I can imagine that, and that's the same problem that I would have, of course, uh, with these stories. Uh, but I found the Gospel of Philip here very helpful because it distinguishes between uh, the lower emanations lower agencies, also impure agencies, yeah. Uh, um, but then talks about the, the Holy Spirit as the one thing. There's the one thing that is pure, and that is both above and below. Okay. So the one thing that connects the above and below in a pure sense is what we call Holy Spirit.
0: I see. Yeah, and how do you
1: good. how do you receive Holy Spirit? By offering your spirit as a dwelling place for the yeah, Holy yeah.
0: One. Yeah. And I I like I do believe in, in synchronicity, so I guess that already helps me a lot. <laughs> 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 I'm just on un, un um I'm deprogramming my materialism. And yeah, you're me a bunch. I as well. I, yeah, I yeah. love the
1: materialist, I love I the materialist uh, thinking as well.
0: <laughs> I know. Just a little dose of Peugeot, and then uh, yeah. we'll get a little bit closer every <laughs> time. Right.
1: What what must be fun for you to know is that when the Greeks in Egypt translated uh, the Torah, they, uh, for the name of God, Yahweh, however, the Tetragrammaton, they used the word Ho'on. The being the ground of being, uh huh. That's that's how they translated uh, the name of God.
0: Yeah, that's a nice one. I uh, <laughs> I find myself way too drawn to Egypt because of my studies, so that when I read Exodus, I'm way too curious, you know. <laughs> they go to Egypt, like, I want to know the details. <laughs> so yeah, big. well,
1: I'm, I'm still excited about because was, I, I don't know how to place. Um, Israel's story and the story of Egypt, I mean, a lot of scholars think it's just yeah. uh, uh, there is some truth in that perhaps some Semites might have been uh, put to work in Egypt and, and escaped, etc., but they don't put the story of Moses on a historical footing. No. Uh, I, I would, however, I would, however, because of the story of his children. I think the story of his children is so remarkable that um, no Jerusalem priest uh, would invent a Moses who uh, whose children would end up like they end up yeah I'm not, I'm not giving any spoilers here for you for the last chapters yeah uh, but uh, but but having said that um it's still quite difficult to uh, understand how um references for instance for pharaoh uh to israel how you should read that into Israel's story. So I asked you about it. So you told me that those dates are pretty secure. It's, it's the older dates that you are more insecure about. But the, the yeah, dates it gets worse and worse over
0: time. Yeah,
1: thirteen hundred are still pretty secure. So, so, so what we find there is a, a pharaoh bragging that Israel is left without seed.
0: Yeah.
1: Now how should I read that? Is that the tribe of Israel, that is Jacob, who had a famine and went to Egypt. Yeah, is that the wandering tribe, tribes of Israelites uh, that uh, were squashed, uh, say after the Exodus or in the context of the ex- Exodus-like story of history, and left without seed in the sense that they were uh, decimated, had almost no children left? Is it a settled population of whom the fields were burned? You you can't make out from just a single reference in 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 the bragging stela of a pharaoh what exactly happened.
0: No, absolutely not. But they do do a lot of speculation in Egyptology. It's really uh it's it's not as scientific as many would would expect usually. No. Yeah, I I I don't uh, I don't. Find it as important, I think, as you do the historical side of it. But I'm, uh, I'm very glad about the story. <laughs> you know, um, we should talk a
1: little bit about the uh, monotheism, I guess, in, in in the book. Yeah, please do. Because um, the book also tries to use a certain uh, hypothesis, the Midianite Kenite hypoth- hypothesis about the origins of Yahweh. Mm-hmm and that comes basically from a um uh, another uh, inscription in in Egypt where there is talk about different types of nomads shashu people shashu yep. being one and one of these groups one of the six groups mentioned is the shashu of Yahu. so of course we never are certain about how to pronounce the the hieroglyphs um so we have to be a bit careful here but more and more scholars do believe that there is a reference here to the veneration of the god Yahweh by some mm-hmm. of these tribes in the Sinai.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, that gives a completely different way of um, uh, explaining what Moses, how Moses came to his his religion, so to speak, because. Uh, in the past, there were only, if you, te- if you took the, the story of Moses seriously, there were only two ways of explaining it. The one way was, it's all revelation. Huh? So he goes out in the, in the desert and God tells him everything that went on with Abram and uh, Jacob, and then he writes it down, and then we've got the book of Genesis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the other story would be, um, uh, no, 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 he regularly went back to his parents and, and got his Jewish education while being a prince in the palace. Yeah. Both are extremely unlikely in the story itself. In the story itself, uh, he is uh, removed from the Israelites and only after a while finds out that uh, he can no longer be silent and and, and kills this Egyptian. There's no reference whatsoever of meeting with his family. And and the same goes for revelation. There's a very limited um, revelation about the stories of Abraham in in the story of the Torah. So this Midianite-Kenite hypothesis actually opens up a completely different option, and that's a very nice one from the B-story point of view, is that he learned this religion from his wife, from Zipporah, mm-hmm.
0: the,
1: the daughter of a priest of Midian, Midian being one of the sons of Abram, etc. Um, so now we can explore, not, not in any historical definite sense, but in a historical novel sense, uh, uh, we, we can explore a little bit, wow, what if Moses learned how to pray from his wife then brought then had a religious experience with the burning bush wanted to include his people in there and then excluded the wife that actually gave him that religion in the first place
0: yeah would be quite (laughs) quite something to do yeah i I, I like the way you explore that because that makes it so much more painful when he does so when he does the excluding yeah yeah but it's uh it's it's a beautiful way to I think it's a beautiful way to describe it because it shows the intimate connection that is not just between two people but also between um two people and and God because that's that's how she she tries to to translate it to him um, and that that is in this sense like you spoke about this ground of being type of sense and you see him struggle with it coming from Egypt of course because Egypt has these types of gods that are more about might, about splendor, about the way that they they shine—even the pharaohs are um, divinities in a sense. They are divine, yes, absolutely. So he, he must have, if the story holds true, in the sense that he only later came into contact with these ideas, he must have completely had to transform his thinking, yeah. and that uh, God was a tool. Yeah. You, you- you
1: worship God, but the God then would give to you, though eh? Ut des is the Latin expression for that. Of course. But, but you would worship God in order that He would bless you. And um how could you um control in a way God in, in in antiquity by 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 knowing the name of the God, knowing the name who was powerful the God who was powerful in that area would give you access to the energy or strength of that God. Yeah. And uh, and then when he encounters her, and she doesn't tell him a name, he, she doesn't have a name for God. She doesn't have a statue. She doesn't have a a carved image of God for him. Mm-hmm. So he's getting desperate. How can I connect to your God if I don't know what what his name is?
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful scene. I really, uh, I really like it. She gets him to breathe and to to feel. Yeah. And it's a completely different way of associating with it. Actually, do you think that, um, are you a monotheist in the sense that you believe in one God, or do you choose that, choose one God over the many? What is the term? Do you, do you know the term for that?
1: Well, you, you've got henotheism.
0: Yeah, it. Where
1: you, uh, where you choose Enos and en, one God. Enos, yeah. enos one God. Yep. Or you have monotheism where there is only one God.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. now of course in platonism it became one supreme divinity which which no longer is recognizable as as as, as a person and then you had all those emanations and the gods of the olympus are really all kinds of personalities yeah uh, but but they all partake of that same divinity which is at a higher level Mm -hmm. So, so they would be able to talk about monotheism in a way that that, that, that the kind of fine, fine distinctions we we don't have the, the language anymore to, to talk about these things uh, in the way that the ancients uh, could. Yeah. Uh, having said so, your question is, did they choose one? Well, the the, the, dominant, the dominant theory is that Yahweh was a tribal deity, which became mono became the only god over time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes actually a lot more sense with the questions I was asking you before. Yeah. That he actually, yeah, okay.
1: That's the dominant explanation. I don't necessarily believe the dominant explanation.
0: What is your explanation?
1: Um, You may remember that um, when we talk about uh, the experience of awe, the experience of God, it often, well, people lived outside um, uh, thousands and thousands of years ago before we went into agriculture. Mm Mm-hmm. And they found out that heaven rules the earth, yep. that heaven impregnates the earth, that the, the, the wind and the rain were necessary and the sunlight was necessary to uh, make the earth fertile. So you had Mother Earth and Father Sky, Sky Father. Um, and then quite early, you had the Sky Father coming in different ways to you, like wind, like rain, like thunder, like sunlight, etc., the same way that Mother Earth comes in different ways to you, uh, like fertility, like goblins, what have you. So, so basically this whole idea that the Neoplatonists had and that the Gnostics had about the supreme deity uh, and perhaps a female counterpart uh, that is really at one, but that our reality is, um, is, is, is a place where they all materialize, cross-fertilizing each other, uh, that may be quite old in my in my uh, estimation, and and so the dominant theory is you would have all these mm, these uh, manifestations of gods. Sometimes they even start with uh, ancestor veneration. So then you have individuals that become gods, like Hercules, etc., uh, demigods, etc. Um And then you had a sort of a period of weeding out and you end up with one god. So then you move from a tribal deity to a single god who is simply the most powerful on this level. Yeah, I think that perhaps the ancients were far more sophisticated than that. And that they would distinguish between the highest levels of divinity like the Sky Father and the Earth Mother or perhaps even beyond that. Um, and um, and would already distinguish between the manifestations of of the supernatural um, as distinct from ultimate reality or ultimate divinity.
0: I see. So was 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 Yahweh that maybe moment. the
1: Neanderthals were smarter than us, but that's. Oh, basically. I know that's
0: possible, but <laughs> but my question is basically like the the Israelites, their their God. Was he already the ground of being? Well, the interesting
1: he... thing is when when, when uh, Abraham leaves Ur in the story, um, he is not a believer. Yeah. We all say God called, Yahweh called Abram from the city of Ur, but he goes away because his father goes away. So he follows the footsteps of his father together with his brother and his nephew and then gets to Haram, um, which... Uh, which is far north um, at the Euphrates and the Tigris. And in Haran, uh, the family settles. And then after a while, when the father, father Terah has died, um, Abraham experiences his calling. And then God says, I'm the one who took you out of Ur. Who, who are you? So this, it's the calling that Abraham receives. That is the first definition of God's voice in -hmm. his life. But that's not the first time that God was present because Mm -hmm. God already called his father in a way or the ground of being why he moved in the first place. So so, so the experience of getting to know the God, getting to know the call that comes out of your Holy Spirit or what have you... um, Conscience... is not the same as uh, the ground of being itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. And so this is a similar way to which you your under, yourself understand it. Yeah. Like the ancient way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So
1: I call, I, I, I have my Christian heritage to give words to who God is. Yeah. And as long as I get to the best of Christianity, I know I'm in a pretty safe place
0: I like the way <laughs> I like how you approach that okay yeah. well thank you thank you for speaking about about all of this we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up soon is there anything yeah. else that you that you want to mention before we go? I know that your book is in, uh, is in Dutch so people will not be able to read it yet unless they they do speak it um, is there a way for people to to access it, access it if they do speak
1: Dutch? Um, oh yes, they could. They could ask you uh, okay. because I've not put it. I've, I've got it as a test run now in a few churches where they using uh, uh, book groups to uh, to go through it, um, and then I will probably try to get it published next year in Dutch. Um, if I have enough time, I will also make an English translation, but. Um, I try to use beautiful language. So yeah, it's that's what I was thinking when I was reading it. it it's not easy to just translate it. You know, yeah. the, the, the sentences must sing. Yeah. And I hope that it comes across.
0: I think it will, eventually. <laughs> well, yeah. thank, you, thank you a lot for your time. I'm excited to, uh, to finish up. Good. And uh, we'll see you back on the channel.
1: Let me know what, um, what you think of the ending.
0: Yes, we'll do. We'll do. All right. Thank you for listening guys. Bye bye.